We're in the second week of a series called Forming Spiritually Fit Families. And today we look at the idea of five skills to improve communication. I've asked some volunteers to help me introduce uh, this message. And so if our volunteers could go ahead and, and leave for just a moment, we're going to have them secluded in a soundproof booth or at least out in the, in the foyer for a moment. Uh, so um, if Benson... Piper, Darren, and Keith would evacuate the premises. If you guys would, would just stay outside for just one minute, thanks. Looks like they're out there already. Okay, so I want you to consider all the various tools that people have used through the years to, to help them communicate. That could be kids using juice cans or walkie-talkies or Indians sending smoke signals. Could be the black rotary phones to the small cell phones that fit in our pockets, but probably the, the game of, the childhood game of telephone is, is the, the best example I can use today of how communication can go off the rails. And so uh, I'm going to, in a moment, invite our secluded folks to come inside. I'm going to whisper a phrase that will be passed down the line to the last person and then shared with us and usually the results are pretty enjoyable so uh, the phrase that I'm going to whisper is the worst thing that can happen to a man may be the best thing that can happen to a man if he doesn't let the worst thing get the best of him <laughs> so not gonna be close okay let's go ahead uh, Gina if you would bring in our our contestants here, bring them, bring them on down. Let's, let's welcome them. Hey, we appreciate their participation today. You guys come on up on, onto the, the platform here with me, if you would. If you just walk on, on over here. All right. Thanks for helping today. I'm going to whisper this phrase to Benson. He's going to whisper it to Piper. She's going to whisper it to, to Darren. Come on, you guys. Don't let him out to you. And, and then Darren, Darren's, <laughs> Darren's going to whisper it to Keith. So um, I'm going to turn my mic off. Or that'll kind of... Turned out a lot closer than <laughs> what I was expecting. That, that was really pretty good. But that's just to illustrate how sometimes even our, our, our best efforts at communication don't always turn out the way we planned. And so the principles that we'll explore today are, are vital exercises for any communication at work, at school. They're especially critical in marriage. And counselors generally identify the, the three most common areas of, of marriage breakdown in conflict are the areas of communication, the area of money, and the area of sex. And so last week we, we talked about um, resolving conflict. Today we're looking at communication. Next week in our series we'll talk about sexual fidelity. We'll have a, a PG-13 rated uh, uh, for, for pre-teens pre that are only in here with their parents' uh, approval. Two weeks from today, Justin will be bringing the message, the family that prays together. And then later in the series, we'll talk about the financial 
side of how that impacts families. And so today we look at five skills to improve communication. Advice columnist Ann Landers wrote, the single most important ingredient in a marriage is the ability to communicate. She said, if the letters I receive provide a fair reflection of what goes on with Mr. and Mrs. America behind closed doors, then most marriage problems stem from the inability of two people to talk to each other. She said, how precious is the ability to communicate? The, the man and wife who can air out their differences, get the hostility out of their system, and then kiss and make up have an excellent chance of growing old together. Part of the challenge in communicating is that there are some definite gender differences in the way that men and women communicate. There was a study conducted of two to four-year-old children, and they were recorded while they were playing. And the sound, they found that almost 100% of the girls' sounds were verbal expressions. They would talk and chatter and visit back and forth with their words. On the other hand, nearly 40% of the little boys' sounds were unintelligible. Broom, and, and I doubt that surprises you. you. You know what I mean. Dr. James Dobson reports that the average man speaks about 25,000 words a day. The average woman speaks about 50,000 words a day. And that means when a man comes home at the end of a day, he has about 10 words left. And his wife probably has 10,000 stored up that she's ready to use. And so there, there are some vast gender differences in this area of communication, and that can provide some obstacles. So practicing these five principles today will improve the communication in our families or in any relationship. So I encourage you to jot some notes down here on the insert in the bulletin. The, the first skill is to listen actively. We touched on this verse briefly last week, James 1.19, where it says, everyone should be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Quick to hear, active in our listening. Zeno, the ancient philosopher, observed, we have been given two ears and one mouth that we may talk less and listen more. One of the challenges to communication is that the mind works three times faster than the mouth. And so often our mind is racing ahead to what we are going to say rather than focusing on listening actively to what is being said by the other person. Has this ever happened to you? I know it has. You meet someone who introduces himself or herself to you. They tell you their names, and immediately you can't remember the name you were just told. We've all been there. And in most cases, it's not early Alzheimer's. It's simply you're not listening actively. So when you meet someone, repeat his or her name. That helps to make sure you heard it correctly. It reinforces it in your memory by using it several times immediately. 
And you won't be able to do that unless you listen actively. And when you do, you will find it natural to take a genuine interest in the other person and and what is being said. It's a way to carry out the second prong of our our mission statement, to, to love God, love people, impact the world. In his book, The Fine Art of Getting Along with Others, Dale Galloway writes, In 1960, I had just graduated from Olivet Nazarene College. That summer, while I was waiting to enter seminary in the fall, I pastored a struggling little church in a suburb of Chicago. And one day, I went to one of the better-known hospitals in Chicago to visit a patient. And while there, I ran into the chief of surgeons, Dr. Howard Hamlin, who for years had been a personal friend of my father and mother. As Dr. Hamlin and I walked down the hall together, an incident happened that was a little thing to the doctor, but it made a lasting impression on my life. I remember feeling like a very important person walking alongside this very important man. Not only was he a a pace setter in surgery at a major hospital in one of the biggest cities in the world, but he was a well-known church leader in our denomination. And we were walking along, chit-chatting when it happened. Dr. Hamlin stopped. He engaged the elderly hospital maintenance man in conversation. Calling the man by his first name, he proceeded to ask personal questions about the man's children. And with a beaming face, the man responded to the doctor's personal interest and shared those concerns that were closest to his heart. Here was a busy doctor, one of my heroes, stopping to talk to a a common, uneducated employee as if he were the most important person in the world. And when the conversation ended, we continued on down the hall. I looked back, and the, the janitor was smiling, whistling, mopping the floor as if he had the most important job in the hospital. And Dr. Hamlin had given him the priceless gift of worth and dignity. And come to think of it, I, I felt pretty special myself that day, walking beside the considerate and kind doctor. And so Dr. Hamlin practiced the key principle in human relationships by actively listening and treating others as he would want to be treated. And in doing so, he was following in the steps of the master, for Jesus never met an unimportant person. He met people from every level of society, and he treated them all as special people. And Jesus taught that we should go and do likewise. First thing is the skill of listen actively. The the next approach we need to use to improve our communication is to grasp intuitively. Good communication involves observing and understanding the unspoken part of what is left unsaid beyond the words. A newlywed asked his wife, would you have married me if my father hadn't left me a fortune? And she answered honestly, darling, I'd have married you no matter who left you a fortune. (laughs) 
Well, you have to grasp intuitively to, to fully understand what was being said. And it involves more than just listening actively. It involves listening to the often unspoken parts of a conversation. Sometimes when you ask others, how are you doing? They sincerely mean it when they say, fine. Sometimes they're in a hurry and time doesn't permit them to give an extended answer, so they give that monosyllabic response, fine. Other times people say fine, even though they are not fine, because they don't know you well enough to elaborate on their current troubles. In some cases, people simply don't want to go there and open up a painful subject and, and hurt again by discussing it. Intuitively grasping will come easier for some people than for others. Often women are more intuitive than men are. When I speak of intuitive, that doesn't mean intrusive or, or doggedly prying into the, the lives of others. It, it means being insightful and allowing the Holy Spirit to, to lead our words. It means grasping the message behind the words. It involves politely inviting the other person to permit the conversation to go to a, a level deeper than a surface level. It, it amounts to being available to be used by God to apply his healing touch. I'll never forget years ago when a, a farmer had come over on my day off to, to look at a horse that we had for sale. And he, he quickly inspected the mare and decided not to buy her. And then he sat down on a bale of hay while we waited for the heavy rain outside the barn to, to let up. And then he could return to his truck and, and go home. But it, it just began to pour. And so we began to talk during our rain delay. And I asked him about his life, his family, his farm. And as he spoke, he seemed to be engulfed in a cloud of, of dark depression. I wondered what was troubling him so deeply. And then he opened that door a crack and admitted, I probably shouldn't even be looking for another horse since my son can't help me with them anymore. I said, why can't your son help you anymore with the horses? And when I asked that, the geyser broke and he poured out his story of his close relationship with his adult son, of their common hobby with the horses, of his son's car accident, of his son being killed by another driver while in Iowa, of receiving that phone call, that tragic news, of his anger with the other driver, and he spoke of his indescribable grief. And this rough, stoic farmer sobbed like a baby as he felt the pain afresh. As I sat nearby on my hay bale, I cried with him and began to, to grasp the burden he had been carrying privately for weeks. We talked for hours while God provided the steady rain as background. And I grieved with him and then pointed him to the only one who could help heal him from that hurt. I encouraged him to, to take a step toward God and, and to begin to go to church. And he admitted his wife had been inviting him to accompany her, but he was reluctant. He promised he would try going to church. And 
I suggested that he continue the area of common interest that he and his son had so previously enjoyed that it might be an extension of their good times together. And I told him that I believe God had brought us together that day through a want ad for a much larger purpose than we ever envisioned when he first arrived. For several years, Harold and I stayed in in contact. He began attending church regularly with his wife. He continued to find a recreation outlet through horses, and a year later, he returned and, and bought a different horse from us. And most importantly, God used that encounter to provide Harold with a reason to keep going when prior to that God-ordained meeting, Harold felt he had none. We must be willing to feel with others, or as the Indian proverb suggests, walk a mile in their moccasins. That's with compassion, enter into another person's feelings of, of joy, of pain, of excitement, of worry. And when in communication we grasp intuitively, we will do what is described in Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. Carry one another's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. We enter into someone else's worries, and then we communicate on a deeper level than just the surface. The third skill that we need to master is react patiently. Someone defined patience as the ability to put up with someone you'd rather put down. I like that. It's, it's tough to react patiently in conversation. We're told in Philippians 2, verses 14 and 15, do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God. As Christ followers, we're commanded to be patient in our conversation, not to complain, not to argue, but to be understanding and to listen when others say something. Not to rush to react or be hasty in judgment, but to develop a slower fuse and not be so emotional in responding. There's a definition of a friend which says, Oh, the blessing of a close friend who can take our words blow away the chaff, and keep the grain. We want to have that type of friend. We want to be that type of friend. We want to be that type of spouse who can sort and split and separate and, and try to react patiently even to those times when the other person may say the wrong thing. And there's a, a fourth skill that we need to master and that is to speak kindly. That's hard to do in a, in a long-term relationship or in a work relationship where you spend a lot of time together with, with other people. And it's relatively easy to speak kindly to people whom we seldom see, but it's challenging to consistently speak kindly to a family member or a work associate. We often are more polite and gracious to the salesperson or, or to the server than we are to our immediate 
family members. Now, all too often, it may be that we've used up our, our quota of patience and then we fail to speak kindly to those whom we love the most, our, our family and our closest friends. There was a husband and wife who had just finished a, a heated argument. And they were driving along the countryside in silence, a strained silence. And after several miles, the husband spoke first. He pointed to a, a mule that was grazing in a pasture, and he asked, Relative of yours? His wife said, Yes, by marriage. <laughs> Speak kindly. Don't, don't look for that last little chance to, to get a punch in after the bell. It says in Ephesians 4.29, Do not let any unwholesome talk Come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of our mouths. Speak kindly to each other. And that final skill we want to consider to improve our communication, number five, is apologize quickly. The older gentleman who was driving down the freeway when his, his cell phone rang and answering it, he heard his wife's frantic voice as she urgently warned him, Herman, I just heard on the news that there's a car going the wrong way on Interstate 80. Please be careful. Herman corrected her, there's not just one car, there's hundreds of them. We have a hard time seeing when we're wrong. Sometimes we have a hard time admitting when we are wrong. We need to overcome that carnal tendency and be willing to apologize quickly. Otherwise, bitterness can take root and it can begin to, to grow and it can push us apart and, and cause separation. A part of our fallen nature is that we can quickly, easily, readily detect the faults in others, and we can see their inconsistencies, but we're often oblivious to the weaknesses and shortcomings that we each commit. Jesus used humor in the form of, of hyperbole, exaggeration, to, to drive home this point. He he described uh, a man who was wanting to help his friend r remove a speck from his friend's eye. But at the moment, the, the guy had a telephone pole-sized board protruding from his, his own eye. And, and he's out here to correct his, his buddy who has some, some minor mistakes. And he, he needs to take care of, of his own business first. Ephesians 4.26 says, don't let the sun go down on your anger and do not give the devil a foothold. When we don't resolve differences quickly, we let the devil get a foothold where he can come in between, drive a wedge between us over our differences. And all too often, anger gets us in trouble and then pride keeps us there. Poet Ogden Nash wrote, To keep the love brimming in your loving cup, when you're wrong, admit it. When you're right, 
shut up. As time goes on, a, a reward of working through the communication challenges is seen as two separate lives grow grafted together in the soil of common experience. And I think that's part of what is meant in that expression, becoming one flesh. Next month, Johnny and I will celebrate 43 years of marriage to each other. We were five when we got married, <laughs> very young. Uh, so we've shared more than twice as many years together as we have separately before we knew each other. And that bond of sharing life, experiencing life, living, loving, going through all of life's ups and downs forges a, a strong cohesion. God intended for marriage to have open communication, honesty, grace, and love for one another. I, I want to close by sharing an interview published with Christopher Reeve and his wife, Dana Reeve. You remember Christopher Reeve starred in the Superman movies, <clears throat> very fit, active, healthy, athletic guy, and in a horseback riding accident, he was left a, a quadriplegic and confined to a, a wheelchair, and unable to move from, from the neck down. And in the interview, the interviewer pointedly asked him the question, uh, asked his, his wife, Dana, the question, you can't imagine walking away from this? No, I can't at all, she said. I, I could easily see how this could break up a rocky marriage. You'd say, forget it. I, I can't take it because it's a burden. There's a lot about this that's a burden. And Christopher Reeve added, I often joke with her about that line in our marriage ceremony, in sickness and in health. And I say, this is a little more than you bargained for, isn't it? But she has never flinched from the commitment for a second. The interviewer asked, during those times in the night when, when you woke up and first learned the reality that you were no longer going to be able to be mobile and, and active, did you ever want to die or, or pull the plug? And this is what Christopher Reeve said. No. Four days after the injury, I came to and I first realized my situation. Dana and I were alone in the hospital room. This was before the operation, and the, the doctors had said I might not even pull through that. I remember saying to Dana that maybe it's not worth the trouble. Maybe we should just let me go. He said if Dana had looked at the floor or, or taken a pause, it would have been difficult because I would have thought she's just being noble. But without missing a beat, she looked me right in the eye and she said, you're still you and I love you. He said, that saved my life right there. That put an end to any thoughts of giving up. There are, are rewards that come from living the married life with the commitment that God intended. And my prayer for the marriages represented here today is that you will experience greater 
communication in the future as you apply these principles. If you're not married, I, I pray that these principles will help you in, in your life at work, with your extended family, with your neighbors, with your friends, as these principles carry over and apply to every sector of our lives. Practicing these five skills will improve the communication in your family or in, in any relationship. So listen actively, grasp intuitively, react patiently, speak kindly, and apologize quickly. And you'll experience rewards in your spiritual life when you commit to living according to God's way. Would you pray with me? Dear God, uh, as always, your word has the answers for the, the questions, the troubles, the issues that we all face. So we turn to it today, Lord, and we pray that as we leave, that we'll be changed, different people than we were when we began this service. Lord, I, I pray that we'll put into practice these truths that are timeless from your word, and they will make a a great difference in all relationships in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.